Now, the Bible does tell us in a couple of different places that I'm going to read them to you that we are supposed to submit to the authority. The Bible talks about authority in a home. The Bible talks about authority in churches. The Bible says, obey those who rule over you, talking about pastors. And then God says to pastors, don't lord over anyone, but live as an example in front of them. But there's authority that's there. And then there's authority in government, even the secular government. And the secular government. I don't want to open up a whole window I got to talk about, so I'm just going to let it go right now. Even the secular government, we are told to submit to them. Now, some people have thought that they've got you, that, that as a Christian, it, the Bible says you have to subject yourself to authority. And so when they tell you to do something that God doesn't want you to do, now what are you going to do? But listen to these passages, okay? Here's Romans 13, 1 and 2. And remember, there's emperors that are on the throne in Rome. Paul's talking about those that are in authority. These guys received emperor worship. So he's not saying the government's good, so let's all get behind it and do what it says. It says, Romans 13, 1 and 2, let every soul, which, do you have a soul? Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that are exist are appointed by God. Now, what a thought that is. The authorities that exist are appointed by God and there's no authority that comes from God, which means that everyone who's in a position of authority right now has been placed there by God. But remember, God does things differently than we do them. If we were going to if we had the ability to appoint someone ourselves to office, we would appoint someone that we thought was going to do the absolute best job. But sometimes God judges us through the very people we put in, through the very people that rule over them. Sometimes the world's being judged in that way. But nevertheless, God appoints them. Therefore, Whoever resists the authorities, it says, resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So Paul says to the to the, the church, the Christians that are living in the Roman Empire, in the book of Romans, they're, they're living in Rome. Don't resist the authorities. You'll bring judgment upon yourself if you do. So what does that mean? Well, first Peter, Peter talks about it. Peter also finds himself in Rome. Peter says, therefore, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. There, there must have been something going on in Rome where people were like, we're not listening, we're not following, we're not going to do it. In fact, Paul says in Romans to pray for those who are in authority over you. So Peter, therefore, submit to the ordinances of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, to those who are sent to him for the 
punishment of evildoers. Oh, excuse me, for they are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So if you read both of those in context, there's a couple of things that you learn. You learn, first of all, that God has done us a favor by putting authorities into place that can punish evildoers. That evildoers don't have the run of things. But whoever is in authority, that we are to submit unto them. However, what if you're a 17-year-old child and your parent asks you to do something that is obviously wrong? I heard this example today, and I think it's a great example. What if your, your dad comes to you and goes, listen, I'm, I'm gonna hold this, I wanna hold this door up. But if I get caught, they're gonna put me in jail for years. But if you get caught, you're only 17, they'll let you out and you won't have to do any time. So go rob this store. Now this is your dad telling you as a 17 year old with good reasoning, I don't wanna go to jail for a long time. So you go rob this store for me. If you get caught, you're gonna be fine. You'll, you'll be okay. What would you do as a Christian if your dad told you such a thing? You'd go, no, you'd be, I might have some consequences. I have a dad who's pretty upset. You got a dad with low morals anyway already, right? So got some problems going on. But that's the exact example. Whether it is right to obey God or men, you be the judge. But we do know that we are to be subject to the authorities. The, um, uh, we see this in the Bible. We see it in the Bible in a few places. Uh, we see in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about doing it himself, that the authorities were after him. Here's what he says, 2 Corinthians 11, 32 through 33. He's giving his testimony. He says, in Damascus, the governor under Artus, the king, was guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in a wall and escaped from his hands. Now here is the Pharisee, Saul of Tarsus, who's become a Christian. And in Damascus, he begins debating people already. He knows the Old Testament really well. And he knew how to argue Jesus as the Messiah from the Old Testament. It's something I believe that we should learn, by the way. The passages that speak of the fulfillment of Jesus as the Messiah. And now this, this Pharisee who holds a position is now a Christian and he's put in a basket and let out through a window down a city wall, which is something I'm quite sure there are more than just a few who would not want to do that. Who would not want to go, you want me to get in a basket and you're going to hang on to a rope and you're going to slowly let me down the window until I get down to the ground. It's a humiliating way to escape a city, to escape from the law. But he ran from it because he knew that's what God wanted him to do. In Matthew 2, 12, the wise men, we don't know how many there were. They, they didn't go to Bethlehem when Jesus was a baby. But in Matthew 2, it says, he went when he was a child, he was a boy, it says. It says in Matthew 2, 12, then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Herod said, come report back to me where the child is. 
They're warned by God. They defy the authority of Herod because of what God said. In Acts 5.2, excuse me, in Acts 5.29, this is a little preview ahead. Peter and James, uh, the, the apostles, are now in, in trouble again. And Peter says, but Peter the apostle um, and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now we just saw him say, you tell us, is it better to obey God or men? That's going to turn into, we would, will obey God and not man. That's what it's going to turn into. In Hebrews 11.23, we learn about the faith of Jochebed, Moses' mother and father. Jochebed was his mom. It says, but by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child, which cracks me. I can't help but laughing when I read it. He was hidden three months because they saw he was a beautiful child. If he was ugly, it would have been all over. It would have been like an ugly baby, throw in the river. It was hidden for three months because he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By boldness, they hid the baby as long as they could. And finally, you remember that she makes an ark, puts him in the river, and pushes him down towards the princess in Egypt where she takes him out of the water. The Bible says that they saw that the baby was beautiful and cried and she kept the baby and his life was spared. By faith, God had a plan. Daniel 6.10, we learn of Daniel's rebellion. There was a, a plan made by his enemies that if anybody prays to, to, to God, to Yahweh, then they will be thrown to the lions. So what did Daniel do? when he? And this is a law of the Medes and the Persians which cannot be changed. And so they kind of tricked the king into getting Daniel. He had no idea that they were going to get Daniel, but they tricked him into it. And then in Daniel 6.10 it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since the early days. He did not do this as a, as a form of, of protest. Like, you're going to sign the paper like that? Well, then I'm going to go protest. I'm going to open up my windows and I'm going to pray. He just did what he always did. He continued to do what he did in his relationship with God, even though the law said something different. The, the midwives in Egypt we're told that they were to kill every Hebrew male baby that was born. Save the females, but kill the male babies. Exodus 1.17 says, But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king commanded them, but saved the male children alive. When they came to them and said, How come the male babies are still alive? The midwives said, Well, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. The Hebrew women have the babies before we even get there, which we assume is a lie. Because it's told they saved the babies alive. Here, they not only defy those that are in authority, but they also lie to those who are in authority to save the babies. And that brings us to the, the great philosophical question, is it ever okay to lie? And uh, I say yes. And, and, and I say, obviously, right? I mean, if somebody breaks in your house and then to kidnap your kids, they hold you at gunpoint and they say, where are your children? You're not going to say, in the second room over, I can't tell a lie. 
I'm like George Washington. They're in the second bedroom under the bed. You'll find them. Got a little place where they can hide. Go, go, go find them there. No, you lie. So, because you're doing something to protect them. And the midwives were commended by God for what they did. Now, now, the next time that a critic will say something to you like, the Bible says that you're supposed to submit to authority. What if they tell you to do something that's against God and they think it's a gotcha? By the way, as far as critics and their attacks, that's probably the weakest gotcha ever that they could possibly ever come up with. Because what Christian isn't going to say? Well, God's, are, are, God's, the, God's the author of authority. If he gave authority to them and God tells me to do something, he's a greater authority because he gave them authority. And so I'm subject to the one who's the better authority, the higher authority. That's who we're subject to. If one's giving authority and he tells you to do something and he told you to be subject to authority and the authority that, we, that, that he gave us that we're supposed to be subject to tells us to do something different than him, it's obvious we choose the higher authority. It is far, far from a gotcha moment. But if you ever run into it, you can say to them, it's better to obey God than it is to obey man. 